0: Hey guys, Louis here from the Ace Space podcast. Unfortunately, this episode was recorded prior to the announcement that Euro Beach Volley 2020 would take place in Latvia, meaning we never got the chance to ask our athletes about this exciting event and their thoughts on taking to the stand to compete again in Jurmala. Nevertheless, we'll have lots of other exciting pre event content across the CV's channels, counting down to the 15th to the 20th of September, when we will crown the kings and queens of Europe again.
1: Sends it back with a monster block.
0: Has won the European. Hello there and welcome to the A-Space. We are back again with another exciting episode of one of the world's best volleyballers. We have had some absolutely enthralling episodes so far and we have another one for you this week. My name is Louis Letts and I will be today's host on other occasions. It will be Dave Rogers and we will be joined by our CV volleyballing wizards, Matt Rogers or Daniel Meenley. Today we are joined with Dan. Dan, how are you, mate? How's Luxembourg? You've got some good news for us coming out of Luxembourg, haven't
1: you, this week? Yeah, Luxembourg's great. They just announced that the restaurants will be opening tomorrow, so I'm, I'm ready to just sink my teeth into a nice McDonald's hamburger and fries right now.
0: Other fast food brands are, are obviously available um, out there as well. But we've, no, um...
1: Maybe we're trying to look for a McDonald's endorsement, so that's... <laughs>
0: all the way. Um, I'm glad, mate. It's been a tough um, few weeks for you uh, in, in Luxembourg. You've been on strict lockdown rules, so it's, um, I'm happy that you're going to be happy feasting away. Um, we are rotating, uh, obviously, these podcasts around four of the world's biggest stars to kick off the A-space. We're recording remotely due to the current situation. I'm in London, Dan's in Luxembourg, and our guest is in Latvia today. Well, there's one clue. We're going to alternate these with our Unscripted and Debate series, which will come out on a Friday. Right. Dan, are you ready? It's time to introduce our new guest. I'm very, very excited. This is the first one of three. And she is one of the brightest young talents that our game has seen for a long, long time. 2018 FIVB Top Rookie. 2019 FIVB Most Improved Team. 2019 European Champion and also one of three teams to qualify for the Olympic Games last year as well. The first ever NCAA collegiate beach volleyball player to qualify for the Olympic Games. That's some stat as well. 2016, under-22 European champion. Gold at the under-18s as well. And a third at the under-17s uh, World Championships in Mexico. Welcome to the A-Space. Tina Gravadina. how are you doing
2: Hello, how are you? It's, 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 it's you did such a good job of summing it all up. <laughs> Was I don't know if
0: I did, did I miss anything? Because I knew No, there's...
2: nothing. I I hadn't heard it all together uh, before, so it's interesting.
0: <laughs> there's also 25 individual awards from the USA as well um, that I could have added in, but I I missed out. So 25 awards from, yeah, different oh. different sort of. Wow. Uh, <laughs>
2: you're doing pretty well. Yes, I guess so. <laughs> um,
0: how's, how's Latvia? How are you these times?
2: Um, Latvia's been pretty good. As I hear, uh, I didn't know that Luxembourg was so harsh or restaurants have been open this whole time, as long as you uh, do the distancing. But of course, all the gyms are closed, all the indoor facilities for training are closed. So be- we've been going on a more uh, relaxed schedule for training for the past month or so well
1: that was we some other news in luxembourg is that the gyms are uh opening as well so
2: oh, oh okay so you're gonna be open for i'm, I'm us. gonna be, I'm, I gonna should, be I should go there. I'm gonna be training i'm gonna be training yeah you'll, ha- you'll be in better shape than i will
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, <laughs> maybe
1: definitely not yeah. <laughs> maybe a few work work on the arms to start
0: yeah. Um, you, said, you said your training is a little bit looser at the moment. What does this sort of entail? Are you still managing to touch the ball and still managing to to get some sessions in?
2: Yes, we are uh, focusing on our physical training right now because we have a lot of the little, little small details that we can work on, but for which we don't have the time in a regular season, like strengthening the small muscles in our shoulders and all the all the not so exciting stuff that our coach is like happy to give us now and we spend we we do a lot of trainings at home uh practices in my garden or by the sea so it's uh, it's been pretty enjoyable lovely and
0: you are you in uh, Yermala
2: uh, yes Yermala yes
0: oh, very nice i like it there i was there when uh, yeah for the under 22s a couple of years ago uh, oh
2: really wait in the one that was uh, 2 years ago
0: yeah yeah,
2: oh, was, okay. Was
0: yeah. Very cool experience. Well, today's episode is about you becoming a European champion and qualifying for the Olympic Games. So, pretty much 2019, which was a great year for you. We've also got a couple of features for you. We're going to ask you to come up with a couple of things, use a little bit of creativity. This is sort of how the AC is rolling, and we're having a great time with so it. So exciting.
2: But- Making my day much better. <laughs> not Not as boring as usual. <laughs>
0: I think you're making, you're certainly making my day a lot better and Dan's also, but with the lift of, uh, lifting of restrictions in Luxembourg, his day was always going pretty good anyway. Um, oh yeah. It's going to be
1: a party, Louis, of course.
0: McDonald's being open again. Um, Tina, sum up 2019 for us, like just, just, just talk to us about 2019. It was pretty good for you, right? Yes.
2: 2019 is a year I will definitely remember for the rest of my life. Um, it it was a total rollercoaster roller coaster because I started the year actually by not even being together with uh, my partner Anastasia. We were split up in uh, January, and so the whole season in front ahead of me looked very very bleak because uh, I was trying to find a partner and it's like it was it was not a nice moment in our partnership definitely. But we resolved all our issues and worked together and then ended up coming back together. And we started the first tournament in Ipanema, literally seeing each other for the first time in like four months. And yes, and that's why the all the success that we had at the end of the season, like the European champs and Haiyang, it's just uh, out of uh, my imagination, definitely at the, at the end, beginning of the year. and. Um, and yes i i feel like it's it it was it it was like a dream come true season but at the same time we didn't have many like a lot of tournaments where we would excel and like had perfect games in fact in we didn't get even to the fifth place this season in nafivb FIVB and uh that's why this uh contrast between the regular tournaments, and then these specific tournaments where there's a little bit more pressure to perform better. We actually did better where the tournaments were more important than the regular ones, which is a good sign for our team that we can we can do that.
0: Wow, talking about the roller coaster, um... I didn't know yes. that you guys had you, you guys chosen to sort of go your separate ways at the start of the season. And
2: Well, yeah, we definitely didn't want to advertise it or like put it out in social media. So because we we didn't know there were like a lot of negotiations with the Federation, with our coach between ourselves and everything. And that's why nothing was clear. And we didn't uh, put out like a clear statement. OK, we've split up. But yeah, for a month or two months, we were. <laughs>
0: it's just some of the tough things with beach volleyball right like it's um it's definitely not unnormal or strange to to split up for a bit or or to have your problems and then have to resolve them
2: yeah because it's it's so funny at the end of the day we're playing together only because of our volleyball skills not because of personal character compatibility and uh yeah but I'm so lucky that me and Nasida were actually very good friends as well and you know how like high pressure um, environments like you sometimes get some kind of arguments and stuff like that but yeah we're good now wow
0: perfect so it was it was worth all of those uh it it was definitely worth all of those bad times to to come through and have those times if yeah if uh
2: if karma not karma but like you know the bad the goods and bad moments then yeah they definitely evened out in this year even ending more on a positive note definitely for sure
0: well, i find it fascinating that you guys rock up to brazil not having seen each other and play a world tour event um and that's one question we've got here is is like how does that planning especially with you being in america like like how does that disrupt your international career or is it is it sort of a uh, we've, we've obviously got an episode coming very very soon about your time in the states, but how does that interrupt your your preparation for 2019 for example?
2: Yes, uh, for me as a person, Tina Grodina, a beach volleyball player studying at the United states it's a very good thing. I develop my personality, my in- intelligence in being in the university, and also the beach volleyball skills I get to improve there are like very important but for the team Graudina Chenoka, me studying in the US it's it's not good it's definitely a, a problem and something that we need to work around and so far we don't really have a, a plan how to do it because the rules in the United States uh, universities are very very strict for student athletes and they demand very uh like the energy you have to invest in these programs is very high and there's there isn't a lot of uh, time for me to like do other stuff and that's why when i'm in the university uh, my anastasia she kind of goes in from my perspective in the second uh like plan Uh, yeah that's probably not the best wording but uh but of course it's such a wonderful experience for me to be there and at the end of the day like it's been two years where i've been studying there and we we've had amazing results so maybe that is exactly the thing that works that we don't that we are like very excited and uh very determined to do well when we do meet in the summer that's it's been yeah i i wouldn't say that it's been bad either
1: but your, uh, your summer vacation is probably a bit different from some of your classmates.
2: Oh, definitely. And I'm so jealous of them. I, I also want to go to all these like cool camping trips and do yeah. stuff like that.
0: And also spring break as well. There is no spring break. So. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> yeah. What um, is that? I don't know. What do you mean? <laughs> spring break. I haven't heard about it.
0: I wouldn't know. I'm getting too old now for that. Uh. never. never. Um, what does Anastasia do when uh, for her off season? Who does she train with? If if you're uh, spending that time in, in
2: California? Yes, she trains. Uh, she takes the the fall, the autumn off, uh, so she doesn't train as much during that time. But uh, during winter and spring, she uh, we would she would go to Egypt to train with Gennady Samoilovs, who used to be your coach uh, last year, last season. And there's the other men's teams as well. Pjavin Stuic. Last year there were Samoylo Schmedin as well. So she trains mostly with the men, and maybe that's why she's so good now, and that's okay. why she like is so, so like insane on the court because like she 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 trains with all the guys.
0: Yeah, that that spin serve started to to yeah to get like really it's
2: really yeah <laughs> a good thing.
0: Um, European champion or first Latvian female team to qualify for the Olympics, which which one holds more uh, weight so, here?
2: I well, Olympics for sure because they happen only statistically speaking. They're only one, once every four years. European Championships are every year, so you have statistically speaking a bigger chance of winning the European Championships, but. Um, it the European Championships were so special because uh ten years ago uh my my one of my very first partners, Ines Yursson, with together with Ingo and Aminas, they actually also won the European Championships. And they also were held in uh in Russia and that's why it was so symbolic. It felt like such a um such a generational change and like passing on traditions like that I felt so proud that I can uh, keep the tradition alive and keep be- women's beach volleyball alive in uh, in Latvia by repeating what they did 10 years ago and it was so nice and they they came to the airport to sell uh, to like greet us when we arrived and it was uh, yeah it was so sweet
0: actually I remember the 10 years in the passing forward from Moscow sorry Dan
1: uh, I was gonna say um so obviously like Latvian beach volleyball is, is amazing right now both on the men's and the women's side but it's not seems to be a, a strong on, on the indoor sides so, do you know do you have any uh, thoughts as to why that is maybe
2: yes I myself played a little a very little bit of indoor as well Nastya did more and um, Latvia is very small we have we don't even have two million people anymore. <laughs> the population <laughs> is getting smaller and smaller every year, unfortunately. And uh, at the same time, we're very active, a very active country. And uh, unfortunately, beach volleyball, uh, indoor volleyball, is not the most popular sport to send your kids. Uh, to all the like tall girls, the first sport they would usually do is basketball or uh, some yes. other. So that's why I think that there simply isn't enough of resources of people to get like eight good uh, world-class level indoor volleyball players but uh, we're also very talented so maybe with the right system right coach uh, we could do it
1: there's only so many uh, tall people to go around
2: exactly <laughs> so and if serious. all of them are in basketball like you you don't know what <laughs> you, you don't have any more any any growth Tall maybe if uh,
1: maybe if Chris stops Porzingis uh, decides yeah. to s- switch to the volleyball court, maybe <laughs> be
2: yeah, that guy. would be that would be insane to see him play.
1: Yeah. Wow.
2: <laughs> it's A little bit the same from
0: from England though, like we we don't have a small population and we still can't create a good volleyball team. Yeah, I
2: don't know, I don't know what is that like because you need the tall people, Louis.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: for another podcast
1: because uh, you we, don't have a good basketball team either. We, we <laughs> can.
0: <Oi. laughs> um yeah, we, we haven't. Um but that is for another podcast, but it's an interest it's an interesting story that I think shouldn't shouldn't be uh shouldn't be ignored for too long. The first you became the first NCAA player to secure an Olympic berth in beach volleyball.
2: That's and it that's, feels very nice. <laughs> that's, that's, that's unreal. Yes, well, To be fair, it might not be as insane as it sounds because uh, NCAA beach volleyball is a very young sport. It's been around only for six or maximum seven years. And that's why there has been only one Olympic Games for which they could have qualified before me. But uh, yes, I happened to be the one, but also the competition was very, very intense because Sarah Sponsel or Sarah Hughes from that uh, they also graduated or Kelly Clays. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of the girls and yeah, but yeah, but there are disadvantages that they're from the United States and only two teams get to go from there. So even if in fact they are higher in the world ranking than I am. I I got to, I got the tickets. So yeah, so I feel very fortunate about that.
0: She's doing herself a massive injustice here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you didn't mention justice. uh the Canadians, the McNamara twins yeah,
2: yeah. either. Yeah, McNamara team team yeah. as well. Yeah.
0: Tina's doing herself a massive injustice. It's a great yeah. <laughs> very I'm humble, very happy. humble. And she goes into the history books forever with that achievement against some very good players. But the amount of players that will come through that system into women's volleyball over the next few years
2: yeah.
0: is going to be crazy. And you're always going to be that person, which is, I think, is going to be pretty cool.
2: It is. Especially, I would like to add that um, I feel so proud of my university in general in the terms of the volleyball tradition that they have. Like, for example, in the World Tour alone, we have like four players who have finished USC uh, or are going to so it's me it's April Ross, Sarah Hughes, Kelly Clays and then from the men's side it's Tri Bourne as well and it's like it's five players who come from one university and I think it's it's insane and I feels so nice to like like yeah keep it going
0: yeah i'm I'm quite looking forward to um our future episode where we talk really quite in depth about the NCAA because uh for us europeans especially like i'm very very aware of it I watch it, but that in that that day to day sort of environment and culture is something that really intrigues me um, and something that I, I want to become more
2: uh, and Micah christensen
1: on on the men's side played uh u s c as well right yes. So
2: yeah, and and some other good players as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm there's, I'm sure there's, as, uh, there's 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 more. Educated there's more. in the indoor side, yeah unfortunately, maybe I should be. I
1: think it's too late you
0: to get signed up. Then. Yeah. <laughs> you think
2: they
0: could? Yeah. they'd take a five-six English libero on a full scholarship at 31 years old? Is that is that well, going
1: to be? A- I, are there are there men's teams for beach volleyball no yet? Yeah, that's what I thought. It's just a. Well, I want I want the. Uh, U sports as well in Canada to adopt the beach volleyball because I think it's great as an addition, uh, addition to the NCAA sports roster but unfortunately our weather is not as <laughs> agreeable
2: yeah you need the indoor halls
1: yeah, yeah, yeah I say it's in
0: London since lockdown it has been the weather has been unbelievable 85% of the time but when we're not in lockdown the, we- the weather's awful um, so you say like yeah we don't have the weather but if we if we were to set up a beach volleyball program now it, it would be great. Um, I worked on um, on you guys Tina at the in Hamburg so I knew of you beforehand um, very much so. Um, but the first time I, I got to broadcast on you was was in Hamburg. How big a competition was that for you guys? Um, and playing so well and winning your pool must have given you some confidence and taking a ninth. In, in those sorts of big occasions to push forward? Did it, did it help uh, the results later on in the year?
2: Yes, definitely. The points that we got from the ninth place, there were so helpful because uh, we were, uh, in the middle of the summer, we were all in the Olympic qualification ranking. We were always like barely in or like one spot uh, behind the, the line, the draw and that way it was very stressful and the points from world championships felt made us feel a little bit assured because it was a good result but the competition itself it was uh, our first experience in world championships and um it's it's like it was so uh fulfilling because i've i've been very uh, I've been a big fan of beach volleyball since I was very young and I've been watching on TV all these big players playing world championships and then to finally be in one myself it was just like a coming around good moment feeling type of thing so I haven't got yeah. this
0: written down so it's going off the top of my head but you're in pool A wasn't you and I think you won did you won your pool
2: yeah we won our pool that was surprising uh, but to be fair, again, we had uh, Slukova hermano in our pool as well, and they had to get out of the tournament because of an injury. So, again, we kind of got lucky, but we capitalized on that luck and like did uh, played as well as we can and won some good teams as well. And then we got to play against uh, Kleinemann and April Ross, and it was so, so nice to feel how good they are. <laughs> yeah,
0: but also at the same time, well you qualify for an Olympics, so you you, you you've got to you gotta get used to that now, like that's yeah. your level.
2: That's yeah, stuff. that's true. That's something I need to get used yeah, to, definitely. Like,
0: it's it's amazing. The um the European championships, like wow. I remember so um you obviously know Dane Blanton fairly well. Yes. And I was yes. working with him in Hamburg and at the European champs I was like uh messaging being like, Tina's heating up here. <laughs> I was like, This is <laughs> yeah, like this is this is crazy. Uh-huh level they're going yeah like talk us through like you mentioned it earlier but like you're a european champion and it wasn't an easy route through like the women's game is so open
2: yes it is and it's there there aren't clear top three teams that like definitely will always be on the podium and uh in these european championships uh since they are equivalent to three stars i think some of the teams like Laura Ludwig, they didn't even participate. So that was a good, yeah. They, I don't think they were in the tournament. So that was. Who no, is gonna fact check? You. <laughs> Yeah. Also, Hermanova Slukov also weren't in the tournament, or the previous World uh, European champions, the champions, Kaiser Meffling also weren't there. Uh, but that didn't mean that the the games were less easy or the competition less fierce. And um, we had a lot of three-setters. Out of the seven games, we had five of them. And, of course, we were very so close to losing in so many moments. And somehow like staging all those comebacks (laughs) and just uh i it it was a weird feeling of calmness that i had during the whole tournament that i haven't had before and i guess that's the that's the thing that we finally caught on that we were missing beforehand and uh, it just appeared in the right moment for us to win the whole
0: tournament this this sort of thing is is what really intrigues me about sport this is why i love coaching and love broadcasting and everything like what is that level of calmness? Where does it come from? And if you could explain how it helps you to anyone listening, that would be awesome.
2: Yes. Um, I am very intrigued myself as well. And I really hope that this is something that will come with it with experience and with age. Um, because I, I know how I feel in 90% of the tournaments usually. And then in the other 10% where I have the biggest success, though I can, I can distinctly distinctly remember that that's a different feeling that I have when I playing, playing them. And it's something like a confidence mixed with calmness mixed with like just intuitive knowledge of what to do in those moments. And, um, and for, for European Championships and high-young qualification games at, in the very last game especially I, I had the same those were the same type of feelings that I had and I, I I can't put my finger myself on what exactly it was but as I said I hope that it's I will I will find out what is exact the exact ingredients that I need to have for that and that I will recognize it earlier for the future and use it more
0: i am intrigued by sports psychology and always have been um like studying it and, and stuff like that but if you could put that into a bottle and keep it it's worth its weight in gold right like it's mm-hmm. that one thing it's like where is it i'm trying to get
2: that, to that that's place. a fo- yeah if you find it that's a fortune you you'll you'll use it for the rest of my life and that's nice that i have felt it and i will try to find the the answer to this riddle in my next seasons to come but it's tough it's
1: tough though right because everyone's different everyone approaches the game differently everyone has different moods that they're in at different times so i think it's it's so tough to like figure out the one you know the one piece of advice or the one skill that you can
2: teach people exactly i really enjoy watching to the type of mentalities that different players have on the court for example the norwegians they are always like like stone cold they try to be at least then there's the brazilians who you know that if they are stone cold that that they're playing like shit. it's not gonna happen they need to have the fire there and i'm yeah I, i i'm still not sure which type of player i am because looking on the tv at myself I seem pretty calm but I remember how I feel at the, those moments I feel like I have I'm screaming I'm like so energetic but then it doesn't doesn't look like that on the tv so I'm not I, I don't know I, I'll another thing that I need to keep working Amazing. on
0: because uh, Laura was talking about how like she's got used to being more methodical in the way that she oversees everything at times um, yeah I, I listened
2: to some of the things that she has to say and I thought I have to try some some things as well for myself.
0: What what do you think, uh, what kind of player do you think Dan is and what kind of player do you think I am? Like, do you reckon one of us is a hothead and the other one's a bit, bit cooler or?
2: Yeah, I think, think, I think Dian definitely, like he has like this fire coming out, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like wow. very emotional, like arguing with the referee, hitting the net, definitely. <laughs> I see. Well,
1: I'm like Tina. I, I I always remember myself being really energetic in a game, and then I'll, I'll, if I have, I don't. Know, obviously, all of my games aren't broadcast like yours yeah. are, but, but if I do watch myself uh, playing later I'm like, oh, I'm actually pretty relaxed. Yeah,
2: I look pretty calm. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's how I it's feel. The same thing with me,
1: Louis. What
0: about I, you? I, I was a, yeah, I was a hothead <laughs> <laughs> I was a complete hothead.
2: I stopped yeah. playing at 20,
0: feet, but I was playing like five different. When I want to coach, and I've learned so much about how I should have been as a player when I was <laughs> through, through coaching. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 interesting. It's something that really, really intrigues me. Um, how did you sort of come through? You talked about those close games and Greece, Germany, Spain, experienced teams, like, can you explain any how the momentum started to shift with you guys? Like what was the mood in the camp throughout those games or how it, or maybe a better question is from where you started the season at that point, how did it change in the European champs? or?
2: Yes. I believe that, um, sport is go- like when you are playing, you have a lot of ups and downs and the more you can, um, uh, make the ups and downs smaller, like more neutral, the better of a player you are. And, um, uh, I believe that it also happens in in bigger periods of time, like in seasons. And for example, last season we had, we lost almost every single one of our third sets and it was very painful. And the the memory and the experience of all the games that we had last year, I think finally summed up to the critical mass uh, where this year we were able to recognize the moments where we had to push more or keep or calm better and uh, this experience just helped us uh, to finally win those third setters by those two points and it's like this small detail but it's finally accumulated from all of our previous experiences
0: is that, is that why you guys almost stood up because you couldn't win a third set
2: no, it no, not that. No. Well, it we sucks can talk too, about it later. <laughs> yeah, but it sucks. It's uh, it's horrible. You want you you like go off the court and you're like, why the hell was I even like. <laughs> playing why did I even win the one set if I can't win the other
1: I was gonna say it sucks at the time but then you know in in hindsight you're probably like okay well I realize now that I needed that experience in order to be where I am today so
2: yeah and I had people saying that to me they were like you don't worry like it's all gonna come back to you at some point or like later or sooner or later and I was like no like (laughs) I want to win now I don't care about the future I want to win now (laughs) but yeah (laughs) It's
0: all experience right it's all the and every team has to go through those stages to
1: to get oh
2: there. the painful painful losses Oh, yeah definitely it's, everybody has like those crazy stories
1: yeah but not all of us get to qualify for the olympics after no.
0: <laughs> but i say i think some of the people i still sort of work with a little bit like their shorts have to go in the wash so many times like you have to just keep putting your training kit and then magic kit in the wash so many times and then at the end of it you learn those lessons so. I think you're not the only one who had a season of, uh, of losing third sets. I mean, it looks like you've come out the other side absolutely uh, absolutely fine. How did it feel to beat Poland, uh, those moments? I remember uh, working on the European Champs. Yeah, sum that moment up for us.
2: Yes, so we, were, we played against uh, Wojtysi Kociolek like, in our group pool play as well. And we won them there in two sets. And uh, to meet them in the final, it was kind of surprising because when you uh, um, when you beat a team uh, beforehand in the same tournament, you kind of disregard that team. You're like, okay, that game is done, like it's over. I have to focus on the next game. And then suddenly, there you there you see the same girls that you already played against, and you know that they have made their. Uh, analysis of their mistakes and they and that they will change something in their game for us as a winners you don't usually change anything if you win so we went in with kind of the same type of mm, game tactic that we had in the pool play and um, and it was much tough a much tougher game definitely but at the same time we we knew that it's it's or a team on our level and that a team that we should be able to beat. Of course, it's sport, you never know, but it's, some, it's something that we are able to do. And, um, and that's why when we finally did win, it's uh, our celebration wasn't as like explosive or like as energetic as in Haiyang, Be- uh, because we we did something that we knew that we could do, and it was like okay, good job, yes, yes, we we did what was or what we set out to do, but then in Haiyang we like we were, it was so insane because I don't think I myself actually believe that I can win at that moment, so that's why the celebration was also much more. <laughs> Emotional. <laughs> I've
0: actually, actually put in the uh, notes here that I remember interviewing you in Hyung and it was very emotional. But that's coming our way in a minute. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was one of the highlights of the year. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah, crying um, on TV, that's a milestone, definitely.
0: <laughs> I've, I've, probably, I've probably done it at some point as well. Um, you've, you've am I right in thinking that you guys have been flown from Moscow home to celebrate? And then did you have to fly back for the four-star?
2: Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs>
0: I didn't and, and for our listeners, the European Championship finished on the Sunday, and then I think you had to be back on the Tuesday.
2: No, the tournament starts on Thursday. So we flew Wednesday <laughs> evening, oh, which is a little bit uh, later than usual, than we would usually fly to a tournament, but because of the European champs. And yeah, we had we got... Uh, we did all the interviews, all the appearances we had to do during those three days, and it, it was quite a lot. but I'm very happy that we did them th- at that time, not after the four stars, because then we already started preparing for a Rome for high Young and it would have uh, it it would have like messed with our heads a little bit if we still had to do all those interviews uh, that close for the next tournaments
0: how do you mean mess with your head just uh for your routines and your preparations
2: yes so just a routine the fact that you don't really focus on anything else besides volleyball but once you do interviews then uh you you think about like coherent speaking you you you, yeah. you think about like what will you say and uh and that's and our coach Samoilovs. he he actually is he's like a very um opinionated person and he was like uh, he has this saying that if you do all the interviews and you're not uh, and you just suddenly start living only on the TV then you're not gonna do anything in volleyball anymore and he says that like yes it's like either 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 you choose volleyball or you either don't play volleyball and just do interviews so yeah but
1: do you, you find know. yourself getting more comfortable with the media side of things as uh, as you progress through your career
2: um yes definitely i'm not as nervous before or during the interviews but um while i speak like for example now i feel very um, like perfect like you're making me feel very comfortable but i know that when i will see this episode on the (laughs) internet and i will probably click on it to see how i sound then that's when i still get nervous seeing me at myself well everyone
1: hates the sound of their own voice anyway so yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Well, honestly like it's it's something that never never goes away don't
0: don't worry about it
2: <laughs> okay good good to hear thanks
0: <laughs> like it's tough like you become more normal with it but that's still like uh, i i find it tough so it's um yeah Well, i mean it's always a work in progress i think <laughs>
2: Yeah, it looks like you're doing a good job. So. And is a
1: commentator, so he yeah, really should get
0: comfortable with it. Oh, like I'm still watching comments and still like listening back and wondering what, do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's something that never never, goes away.
2: But are you are you actually uh, still aware of your voice when you listen to it? Are you still like, does it yeah, still feel weird for you?
0: Yeah, it still feels weird. Um, But it's always a work in progress. So like I'm... I'm still like still got a long way to improve I feel and there's like even hopefully when I'm 60 and if I'm still doing this job I still feel like I would have a lot to improve on so I'm just trying to become more knowledgeable and at certain times change my tone or try and change my voice throughout but it's it's always a work in progress little steps. Because
2: my parents very enjoyed uh, your commentating very, very much. <laughs> oh, so, there you go. Compliments from them.
0: <laughs> oh, I love them lots and I can't wait to meet them and give them a big hug when we don't have the social distance for their comments.
1: Tina Lou is <laughs> <who's laughs> very happy because this, I think this is the first compliment you've gotten uh, <laughs> from a guest so far. Yeah, so, yeah for, for sure. From, from anyone, about
0: anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, very happy about that. Let's, let's move back to you, because uh, that's, that's completely more important. Like, can we go straight to Hyun? Can we talk about Haïm for five minutes? Wow. Yeah, that, that was amazing, right? You, you go there, you qualify for the Olympic Games, and let's go yeah. to that final game. You're playing the Czech girls. You're 12-7 down.
2: Yes, and then my partner decides to be a total badass on the court and just rips three aces in a row just, like, <laughs> just like nothing yeah
0: at 12-7 do you think like it's game over at that stage are you like uh, we're gonna have to throw this one in the bin see yeah i don't i don't
2: have the words visualized in my head like oh the game is over but it's definitely a feeling that you just get because i'm not stupid i can read the score i know i've played before and usually you don't win in this type of it goes up to the
1: same number every time right
2: yeah exactly it doesn't change (laughs) like the godmother fairy will not come and save us and Mm uh and but but we never give up. No matter what's the score, you, we always think it's only one point at a time, and that's why we just keep doing what we do. But of course, I, I do, did have the feeling that okay, it's one point at a time, but for how long? For for three more points until they get fifteen.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, there was like the you sided out, and then there was a change of ends, right? And you actually moved to a fairly good end. You went into the breeze. Yes. Meant that Anastasia could rip, like you could rip the serve a little bit more. But you actually had four aces at the end of that game. I watched it back. Four, four or five aces.
2: Yeah, I had the last two aces, which uh, is weird.
0: One, the last one literally uh just clipped the, the back end of the baseline. Was uh,
2: yeah, I, uh, yeah. That's that's the thing. It's about centimeters. You can have one centimeter out or one centimeter in, and it. Doesn't even depend on you. It's just the luck of the day that you have because you can't control the one centimeter on the other side of the court, which is 16 meters away. So that's the part of the luck that comes in in these games.
1: I I think beach volleyball is one of the few sports you can say there there is a luck element involved a lot of the time. Yes, like serving in the
0: net is one thing, but serving at the back is another thing.
2: Yeah, that's true
0: acceptable to fire one out the back than it is in the uh so three aces in a row from your partner and then you're still 13 11 down yes there's a there's an amazing challenge on a net touch
2: oh my gosh okay i definitely <laughs> want to speak about this
0: <laughs> no 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 i i, I i'm gonna bring it up because it, it, <laughs> it, yeah. it was absolutely
2: mad it was when I thought about it it's I was insane like what I was thinking I so so there's this rally and and I just hear I hear with my ears that she like the touch of the net you know how the net has a distinctive sound but I didn't see it I only heard it a little bit and uh, I looked at the referees and they don't say anything so it was like net net like she touched the net and then i realized that they're not going to stop the game because i'm screaming so i was like challenge and at that moment the ball flew over to our side and we actually had the ball we could have just like i could have said this and like hit the ball and it's a point for us no challenge needed but i was like so uh, convinced that she touched it so i was like challenge challenge and then the referee stopped the play in the in the air and uh, they, I requested the challenge, and we had to wait for like two minutes. I don't know. It, on the court, it felt like forever, and only like ten seconds in, I realized it's it's thirteen eleven. If if I if I was wrong, if I heard I don't know some fan hit hit the something. If it, if the sound was wrong, then it would be fourteen eleven, and we go to the bad side but thankfully yeah the challenge was right and uh, we got 13-12 which is a huge difference in the third set and uh, kept playing but yeah while we were waiting i definitely realized how risky it was for me to call this challenge i watched that last
0: i watched that last step back I'm broadcasting it i'm like yeah there's a challenge for a for, for a net touch and yeah it's being turned like that's that is a net touch or however you want to broadcast it and then like i thought about it and i was like that is a gutsy move <laughs> 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 cool like the most like minimal net touch when she's on the way down turning yeah. away from the net, i think it was yeah it's, it's
2: and and my partner she was uh, i i I, when I realized what I did, I was like, oh my gosh, Nancy, I hope, I hope I'm right. Um, and, and she didn't even want to hear it. She was like, okay, I don't care. Uh, let's just focus on the next point, either it's correct or not. And that made me very calm as well, because I realized, okay, we're, we're in this together. So,
1: Hearing uh, like a block touch is one thing, because that, that can be pretty loud sometimes. But you must have pretty good hearing if, if you're hearing someone's fingernail scrape the
0: yeah. net. It yeah. like, it's awesome. And there's little things like add to this, add to this story. Yeah. Um, thank God.
2: Thank God that they actually um, even notice it, notice the, the challenge. But uh, it just shows the importance of challenges because I feel like you're going to probably mention the next challenge that the Czech girls also requested about my block. And it's also such a minuscule thing that the referees called wrong. And on my part, my challenge, it also was a missed call for them. So those are two points that in the last points of the third set are, are, and it's so important that, so I'm very happy that the challenge was even available.
0: I, I agree, but also like the, the referees are under pressure. Some, like the game is quick. Everything is like, like blink of an eye and, yeah, it, it came through very well for you. Um so then block Gradina, 13 all. You go back to serve. How much how does the game Yeah, yeah, we yeah, you missed that one, but it's okay, you make up for it later. Okay. Um how does it start to change? Like you you've obviously like gone from being the underdogs. You've said like that that little thing in you when you're twelve, seven down. How has that little thing in you now changed?
2: It's uh, yeah you it's hard to say because you're just in the moment you you love beach volleyball at the end of the day at the end of the that moment and that's all you focus on how to like touch the ball how where to jump so you don't really focus on the feelings of the general feelings that much but yes yes.
0: and then you make uh you hit a couple of great two balls at that time yeah um, and a couple of aces must have been ridiculously like unbelievable feelings at that time.
2: Yes it felt like I really like to read a lot of books and I've read a lot of these like hero stories where at the end of the in the final like scene they like put together all the things that they've learned in their lifetime and uh, they they succeed and I kind of felt a little bit like that in the game as well because when I hit the two balls um i think i made a decision to do that because i've had also a lot of lost games where i decide not to hit the two second ball over and uh, we lose the point because it's a bad set because i try to set it from under the net and uh yeah i decided to just go with it uh when i hit over on two and it worked very well and and yeah it it was just like a perfect perfect ending for us perfect plays at the end of the third set, not the whole game it wasn't perfect at all. The wind was so insane at some point I couldn't like even hit the ball over, so I just like bumped it but yeah,
0: yeah it was crazy conditions in in Haim. i just uh I remember the first day in Haim, it was um I arrived at like ten o'clock at night Chinese time, and the first broadcast was like eight a m in the morning and uh. I just remember that whole weekend being one big day's days for me like man, massively like just recovering
2: that interview yeah. at the
0: end was so emotional like it was it was awesome it was it was a really like, watching it back like now nah, it was, it was really great tv there very good tv
2: uh yeah i had to pull it together to even say something and uh yeah right. <laughs> Not
0: fun question I feel to be I know there's other teams that on points are pretty much certain to be at the Olympic Games, but how does it feel to be like one of only three teams to know for certain that you'll be at those games and it's, then it's,
2: yeah it's cre- incredible, especially knowing the situation that we're in in right now i I think that even the teams that have good points they still the uncertainty of everything of the uh, now we know the qualification system will stay the same but we didn't know that before and it just uh, helps my peace of mind and my uh, and to sleep good during the night that I know that I've already qualified it's yeah definitely has a physical impact as well
0: are you okay with the fact you have to wait? Was that news really disappointing? Is it's the first Olympic Games. And...
2: Yeah, the news were very disappointing. Very, I was very heartbroken, um, and especially that you have all these expectations in your head, uh, and you. Because uh, pljavinc uh, Martin Martinč Pljavinč, he's been, or Samuel, no, the, the guy players, they have been to many Olympic games. So they're like, okay, it's fine. It's postponed. We'll go there next year. They know the experience, what it's like to be there. But I was like so hyped up and so ready to go to experience all this for the first time. And uh, now I have to wait another year, which seems so long for me. Because I know, I feel like I have to do so many other things before that to even get to the Tokyo Games.
1: I was going to say this is going to be like a uh, special Olympics too, like a big Olympics, right? Because it, it was the the only Olympics really that we've had in the last twenty I years know. that's been that's been changed around. Like yeah,
2: this. and uh, it's 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 so nice that I will hopefully be a part of it, and uh, hopefully it happens. And if it happens, it's yeah. Yeah, it's know, definitely right? <laughs> going to be insane, biggest party of, of the decade. I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for sure. How um long... you we're gonna obviously the NCAA later um, but you put your studies on hold for a year didn't you to try and qualify for uh, sorry to try and qualify for the Olympics is that yes. something that's going to be deferred for another year or uh, do you have to go back to school?
2: I don't have to go back to the school, but uh, two gap years in uh, in a row—it's a little bit too much for me just to not study for that long, and also because the longer I stay a student in USC, the longer I can't receive prize money. And uh, of course, money is money, but uh, it's not that important. But it's also very important, of course. And I would rather just. get my studies done so that I can finally officially count as a professional beach volleyball player because right now that's not the status that I have <laughs> so yes. interesting I think that
1: opens up
0: a can of worms for a future
1: episode that's, oh Louie if you want to have an NCAA uh, athlete debate that's a, that's a big topic in that, North America right now yeah,
0: that is that is a huge debate and something that uh, yeah we look forward to hearing more opinions on as we go forward right features down for episode number one
1: tina so we we have a feature called rips and tips obviously you've already given a lot of advice i think throughout the episode on you know how to come back in tough moments and, and how you developed that skill over over your volleyball journey so far but do you, do you just want to sum it up for the listeners uh you know what's the best way to come back in those tough situations
2: of course, it all comes with experience and the more uh, painful losses you have, the bigger the chance in the future you'll, you'll stop having them. But some tips I would say is that what I say to myself always is even if you're like five or six points down, all you need is one good serve, one good block, and one opponent error. Um, because those are three points and then the dynamic once you get closer the dynamic changes so much the the other team might start to get nervous they might make another mistake you might get something up in defense and actually that's and that's not that much that you need to do you just need to focus on one good serve get one block and then like you need also do need the luck component and of course coaches always say you don't you can't wait for the other team to make a mistake you like you have to take it for yourself but when you're that much down and you don't have that much room for for to make good plays that's where the luck comes in and you kind of need to have it to make a good comeback but yeah that's about it
1: combination of skill and luck i like that it's honest right Yeah mystery man okay and for our, our last uh feature for this first episode uh, i'm gonna play um a clue from our mystery man so i'm just gonna go over all the clues we know already um just to repeat for you and, and also for our listeners so here are the what we know so far about about this mystery man he plays volleyball
2: okay indoor <laughs> that's volleyball. a good that's indoor a good volleyball clue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he, he he has won the champions league before He's shoe size is 14, he's right handed, he has won a European Championships. He's best known for attacking or spiking. He's played for two clubs over his career and he was born in the year 1988. And I'm gonna play our next clue right now for all of us. Have you ever won the World Championships? No, No. Did you hear that?
2: Yes. He okay. said no.
1: So he's never won the world championships in case anyone didn't hear that um, on the episode. So Tina, any guesses here?
2: Very interesting. I have I have not a nope. clue. <laughs> um,
1: no worries. We don't have to dwell on it. Uh, yeah. Louis and I, I think it, it took us a, a, a while to figure it out. So. But you
2: you know who that is, right?
1: Yes. Okay.
2: yes. Is, yeah. is, is he... Does he speak more than no?
1: We we don't know any more information. Oh okay. Well, we can't give any more information away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is it. Okay. No. We can't play 20 questions here, unfortunately. Yeah. It's um, right. quite a tough one. But it, the, it was it is it was a tough one. Yeah. The
0: one that gave it away for for me was that he's only played for two clubs. Um and yeah. that for for somebody of, of that level to to um, have achieved so much and then you played for two clubs it narrowed it down for me um, okay. really to, to one person um, there you have it that is the end of episode one with Tina Gradina Tina thank you so much it's been amazing to have you and if every episode is as interesting as that one then we are in for an absolute treat so I'm looking forward to the next episode um, thank but- you
2: had the pleasure of talking with you guys
0: it's been, it's been all ours dan man the statistics man thank you very much for joining us from luxembourg yeah enjoy. thanks louis
1: and uh thanks tina as well for joining us so oh, this is great enjoy, you. enjoy that uh mcdonald's whenever it comes oh, i will i will don't worry <laughs> in the future
0: and to our listeners make sure that you subscribe tell your friends you can suggest guests for us you can even send us some questions to ask the world's best volleyballers. Use the hashtag Let Volleyball Talk. You can find us wherever you find any other podcast. From myself, Louis Let the CEV and the Ace space that's all we've got time for this week. And we will see you again very, very soon. From us, goodbye.